Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Black Bar Podcast. I am here today with the one and only Nick Mayo. Hey. We have an incredible guest today that I'm very excited to be able to talk to, uh, one Miss Danielle Debley, a incredible photographer. I think uh, all three of us are real big fans of her work. She actually shot your wedding, right? Yeah, yeah. Danielle shot my wedding. Um, and you know, we couldn't be happier with the results that we got. She did such an amazing job and perfect way to capture the Mm -hmm. day. So, so being a accomplished wedding photographer, she, she shoots in a lot of churches. She deals with a lot of the same mess Mm -hmm. that we have to deal with on on an every week basis. And and we figured, you know, we want to get an expert in here and talk about how she handles, um, we'll say less than ideal lighting scenarios and, and, and how a professional kind of copes with that space. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm real excited for this too. So let's, uh, without any further ado, let's, let's get right into it. Danielle, are you with us? I am. Hi. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And Danielle, you, uh, you are the owner of your own photography company, right? Danielle Marie photography. That is correct. And I, I imagine on at least a couple occasions you've dealt with, uh, what we would consider less than ideal lighting scenarios. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> Plenty of times. <laughs> good, good. That makes you an expert on what we're hoping to talk about today. I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever been to a church that I would consider very well lit for photography purposes. No. <laughs> uh, there, occasionally we'll have moments where we can get a like a nice scene on stage, depending uh-huh. on how, it, you know, if all the stars align. But, you know, sanctuaries in general tend to be kind of dark and and mm-hmm. lobbies are crowded. And, you know, then there's outside the parking lot. But Ooh, usually beautiful. that's not what people are looking for. So, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So I imagine in, in your experience, and you do a lot of wedding photography, you're mm-hmm. shooting at churches quite often. Yes, yes. Um, so I've experienced the really dark sanctuary or the very wonderfully lit fluorescent lighting lit sanctuary that your white balance wonderful. is different on every photo. <laughs> so oh, gosh, I've got the, the gamut of experiences. So when it comes to white balance specifically, yes. obviously we, we spent a good amount of time talking about the video. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that we were actually, we were going to mention in the video and didn't get around to it is that this subject is actually very important to Nick, uh, <laughs> given yeah. that yeah. Uh, Nick is colorblind. Uh-huh. And if, if, he, if he can't, if he can't yes. see these colors, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I am a uh, red green colorblind. Uh, essentially, mm-hmm. I see some reds and I see uh, less greens, um, mm. which can make uh, color bouncing very difficult. And I learned really, really early on. Um, at my time back at Valley Forge when we were studying mm-hmm. this stuff that, uh, you know, understanding exactly what kind of te- color temperatures lighting gives uh, is super important. Otherwise, all your footage is going to turn out very blue. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, uh, there was a project Ben Franco had me working with him. And, uh, oh, it, I did not ever hear the end of that. I'm pretty certain <laughs> he still brings it up. That's awesome. He showed me that footage. Uh, it was hours worth of oh, footage no. and all the color balance was just way whacked out. <laughs> yeah. no. It was amazing. Oh. <laughs> The things that you really wish you had learned long before you, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> right. So, so Danielle, let's say we're in one of these these horrible no-win environments, right? The mixed lighting mm-hmm. scenarios that we've talked about, the fluorescent lights that yes, you were dealing with. Sure. Obviously, there's a lot that you can do in post these days. Not that 
we right. should be pushing people towards that direction. But uh, what's your MO for how to handle a mixed lighting scenario? So a lot of times if I'm in mixed lighting, my instinct before I even go to flash is to find natural light if I'm able. So if there is a nice window that I can use, I will gear towards that naturally. But if I'm in a situation where that's not the case and I've got, you know, weird yellow, like warm lighting mixed with that fluorescent flickering back and forth lighting, um, I a lot of times just have my um, external flash um, that I bring along and that way I can kind of control the temperature based off the flash of what I'm doing and uh, makes things a little less tricky. Gotcha. Okay, so. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know Caleb and I mentioned in the video, but both of us kind of haven't used flashes in a long time. Yeah. Uh, honestly, last time I think I used a flash was the one wedding that you and I shot together. Mm -hmm. That was probably like the last time I've used a flash. And I think it was about 2015. That what was that? Yeah, that was, was like five years so, ago or so. <laughs> yeah. You can tell I'm pretty good at photography. I do this all the time. Right, right. right. You got this. <laughs> But uh, are there some techniques and uh, like go-to remedies you have with a flash that you use to, to kind of help the, the lighting? Sure. Well, um, I know you guys talked about um, taking it actually off the top of your camera and putting it somewhere else in the room. Um, that was something that in my photography internship during school, my mentor did a lot. And I really liked it because he was able to control the lighting of the room and make it look really nice. But he also used it in a creative way as well. But um, I usually keep mine on top of my camera. And instead of pointing my flash at my subject, I'm usually bouncing it off of uh, a ceiling or, you know, kind of the the rule of thumb is like to have it up and tilted back just a little bit. So it's more pointing behind you mm. and up mm. rather than right at your subject. So you're not getting that flat lighting that you guys showcased in the video. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so that really helps. And also um, having a diffuser on top of your flash um, really helps soften things up so you don't get that harsh, really, you know, sharp shadow or you're not blinding someone who pops up behind you. Right. <laughs> Are there different types of diffusers? Because I know we we had looked at a couple and uh, the one that we ended up selecting kind of made me think it was less of a diffuser, more of a bounce board that yeah. was situated on the flash. But mm -hmm. yeah, so most um, most flashes have that little white bounce card, um, which helps, mm -hmm. you know, deflect a little bit and spread out the light a little bit more. Other flashes come with like a cap diffuser um, or you can get ones that like fold out and like are that plasticky fabric little mm -hmm. box and they can range from like, you know, something the size of your hand to something, you know, a little bit bigger than your head, yeah. you know, depending <laughs> on how extravagant you want to go. Yeah, I, I think in a, a lot of ways, flash gets a bad rap yeah. because sure, most sure. of the people using it are using an on-camera flash or something directly attached to the camera and they're just shoving it straight in the same direction yes. as which is just i mean to a certain extent we kind of have to blame manufacturers because the, that that's never going to look good and they build it into the cameras and they yeah. know it's never going to look good yep. <laughs> but people feel like they need it right. um but absolutely yeah. photography flashes can be used to great effect and 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 the kind of environments you're talking about setting it up in a, in a different part of the room mm -hmm. obviously you, get, you have to get a relatively powerful flash and we didn't even mention the video but a flash is a consistent color temperature that you can depend on that yes. you can plan for yeah you can and you don't need to that. worry about yeah 
Right, yeah. absolutely. You don't need to worry mm. about the color of the room if you know what the color of the flash is going to be. So yeah. what about then, you know, uh, Nick mentioned it very briefly in the video. Uh, I think if if we went into our Sunday morning service and started firing off flash during an altar call, um, I, I <laughs> that might cause an issue. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Someone would think we're being struck by lightning. I think... I think I think it would be an issue. Uh, obviously, uh, a good photograph of uh, an awesome service should always come second to the awesome service, yes. right? Uh, but when we're in those sorts of scenarios, mm-hmm. when we don't have control mm-hmm. over the lighting, what are the things that you're looking for for uh, uh, getting a, a quality shot? So with a lot of the newer cameras, it's really nice because you can push your ISO up pretty high without getting a lot of grain and if you're working with an older camera or a lens even that doesn't go down to a nice aperture that's going to be a lot harder um, for you to get you know the best uh setup within that really dark space so that's the same with like uh evening church services or really dark like no window sanctuary or even like concerts that you're photographing but a lot of times if you're focusing on the stage you have pretty good lighting there i think my issue has been like when it comes to crowd shots so i try to find people who are closer to the front that are you know are going to be good for the picture first of all but also that lighting is a little bit more on them than someone in the very back row but on the technical end of things, I try and push my aperture down as far as I can. So if I'm shooting with like a 1.4 or 1.8, you know, even a 2.8, if I have to, um, I'm getting as much light in there with that. And then I'm pushing my ISO up as far as I can go without knowing mm. that I'm going to have a lot of grain because I don't like shooting really grainy photos if I don't have sure, to. Sure, sure. So that's pretty much how I balance it out. And if I mean, if you have a really steady hand, you can lower your your shutter speed. But I would just be careful with that because otherwise, you know, you can be getting some motion blur on your photos if you're not careful. Right. It might depend how uh, charismatic your church is. <laughs> those crowd shots are going to come that would up That definitely blurry. play into it, right. for sure. For sure. Uh, something that's that's worth noting, I don't think that we, we've uh, talked about, specifically when we're dealing with low-light situations and specifically when we're dealing with super grainy pictures, is noting what is going to be the final output the final effect of this photo, right? So if you're doing wedding photography, it's very likely that any single one of these photos is going to be blown up and and posted on someone's wall forever, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, if we're doing church photography, I mean, 95% of the stuff that Nick and I shoot are going to go on Facebook or Instagram right. very quickly Media with platform. a maximum mm-hmm. resolution of like 1200 pixels across, right, right? right? To which like, even if the shot is incredibly noisy, it's it's not as noticeable when we're dealing with these these smaller resolutions. Yes. So it's something that you have a a little bit now, and I'm not encouraging people sure, to just go sure. out and shoot at two hundred thousand <laughs> ISO right. and, and just just mm-hmm. throw caution to the wind. But um, you do have a little bit more flexibility when you're uploading in an online space, just sure. because the resolution typically is not as mm-hmm. high and the the noise is not quite mm-hmm. as noticeable. Yeah, you don't notice those quote unquote imperfections as much as if you're having a huge gallery type photo on your wall. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you, uh, uh, do you use neat image or some equivalent of that? I don't. So I'm mm. mostly working in Lightroom and Photoshop. And right. 
I'm really picky about grain in my photos. So I really try not to give myself that hassle in post. Um, Mm -hmm. But there is, um, you know, things in those programs like noise reduction and things like that that are built in that you can use if you really need to take some of that stuff out, which is really nice and helpful. That's a great point. And uh, perhaps one that we haven't mentioned in the video is that a lot of these programs like Photoshop and stuff do have uh, their own version of noise reduction as well. So, but we're, we're planning on putting our, uh, post video later there's gonna be a video about how to edit photos in a couple weeks down the road so that'll be a good one yeah i i I was a a photo editor before i was a photo taker so that that's oh okay that's the one thing i know how to do photo taking as somebody else can get near the people i'll 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 take just give me the math right yeah just give it to me afterwards for sure danielle has there ever been a event that you've shot that just the lighting was absolutely terrible where like you have mixed temperatures everywhere you know the 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 lighting is directly overhead of people and it's just dark as all get out yes so i actually um not too far in the past here shot a wedding where um they really wanted the lights very low for their ceremony and um Mm -hmm. of course no flash during the ceremony because it's a religious thing. Oh my so gosh. I've had that both in a modern church and in a very traditional, like mm-hmm. Catholic Lutheran style church. Um, sure. And it really makes for a hard situation with the lighting. So a lot of times um, on the wedding end of things, you're taking an extra 20 minutes of that day and you're recreating some of the special moments with the lights on (laughs) Mm, so that you can get that or with your Mm. flash on. Um, But yeah, it really it's a little bit stressful, especially if you don't know that that's the case going into the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But then uh, one of my worst things that I remember was many years ago when I was first starting out doing more events on my own, I shot a quinceanera down in Philly Mm. and it was the first time I had used my flashes that I bought for my camera and I was not great with them. And so even looking back at some of those photos today, I'm like, wow, this is really bad. (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) The lighting is dark. The flash is bouncing right off their Mm -hmm. face. Like, Mm -hmm. Not, not a pretty picture. <laughs> That's all right. I do the same thing. There's a lot of things I look back and go, man, I don't know. I didn't really know what I was doing back then. <laughs> We're all learning. We're yeah. all learning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it shows just like how much you learn and grow, whether it was through mm-hmm. school or through trial and error or just real life experience. Yeah. Right. It's pretty awesome to look back and see the growth. That Absolutely. That's really cool. So kind of opposite of a low light scenario, mm-hmm. one of the other scenarios we talked about uh, in the in the video was a, a, a lot of light scenario. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's things like ND filters and adjustable ND filters, but when it comes to specifically outdoor events and that harsh, super hard sunlight that's casting all sorts of nasty, uh, weird shadows on yes. people's faces and whatnot. Um, and I know for a lot of the people listening doing photography, whether they're shooting potlucks or outdoor serving events or anything like that, they're going to run into this situation yes. at some point, even if they're just shooting their greeters in their parking lot, right, parking right. lot. So is there anything that uh, any suggestions would you have for them when they're trying to get good lighting in a very sunny, very hard lighting day? Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the things that has served me best in those situations is is if I have an extra pair of hands and I have someone who has either a reflector or diffuser, like 
that's probably the biggest bonus during those situations because then you're not running around mm-hmm. trying to find the only spot of shade or you're not making them, you know, have the sun behind them. And then it's like making that really flat um, lighting, you know, situation. But I think if you're able to have someone or if you have like a portable diffuser or reflector that really helps even out your shadows, bounce your light or diffuse it, whichever one you choose. And I think that is probably the biggest um, plus to, to being able to navigate those situations. But it's not always the reality. So sometimes you do have to run and right. find that shade if you're able. Or mm-hmm. you do have to, you know, put people with the sun at their back. So it's not like giving all these crazy harsh shadows on their face. I, th- I think Nick and I were just talking about if there ever is going to be like a digital media Olympics, then folding <laughs> up one of those oh, yeah. uh, uh, portable diffusers with one hand <laughs> mm-hmm. as fast oh, as yeah. possible. Like all folding different ways. <laughs> right, exactly. One of my favorite thing to do is just hand a clueless person that thing and just oh, sit yeah, down yeah. and watch them oh, try to yeah. put it. Oh, that must together. be a beautiful scenario (laughs) when when i retire when i retire what i want it to be is like you know how they have those giant balls that break open and like all confetti comes out (laughs) i just want those small sized diffusers to come out and they all just pop out all at once like and just like float down that would be great that would be amazing all right that's that's awesome there's so many things that we've talked about today with uh our you know white balance and the different lighting and Mm -hmm. it's one of the things i love about uh the this series that we're doing uh, enough to be dangerous you know we kind of touched it a couple times but we there's a lot of things that we look back and go man i really wish i knew that at the beginning when i was doing you know photography or filmmaking at the at the very start you know me with my white balance story um and, and all that you know i so i just hope that our series enough to be dangerous will be able to get people to that point where you know they'll learn these lessons long before they're spending an hour and a half trying to fix white balance mistakes in, in the studio so Danielle, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to just kind of have a, a moment for a shameless self-promotion oh here boy. if you want to. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I have my own business, Danielle Marie Photography, based out of Central PA. But, you know, I do stuff in Jersey, New York, anywhere. So um, love working with people. And um, even though I do a lot of weddings and stuff, I love event photography and I love working with uh, small businesses as well. So um, if you are listening to this and you're thinking, hey, I want to schedule a fun shoot or I've got a wedding coming up, uh, feel free to contact me. I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook DMD underscore photos. And um, yeah, I would be so excited to work with you and just answer any questions that you might have or just encourage you to find someone you love to shoot your special day and shoot your memories and you know make an awesome time of it yeah. and i can personally attest to danielle's amazing ability to take photos danielle actually photographed my wedding with me and my wife tori <laughs> and she did it more than just an incredible job it was awesome she Aww. helped us through the day be able to enjoy our time there and get us from place to place and you know, at the end of the day, we have photos that, you know, will be the memories that we hold on to the rest of our lives. So yeah. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank that. you. It was an awesome time. Cool. <laughs> All right. With that, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's conversation on the Black Bar Podcast. 
be sure to check out our weekly videos on YouTube and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We want to keep this conversation going beyond the podcast and the YouTube channel. So make sure to connect with us on social media and we can get you access to the exclusive Black Bar Discord, where we continue to have these kind of conversations with our community every single week. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on whatever podcasting app you're joining us on today. We want to bring more people into these conversations and you can be a part of that. It's our hope that each and every episode can be a resource for you, your team, and your church. So please share this episode to bring more people into these weekly conversations. We can't wait to see you next week as we uncover more secrets in the church, media, and marketing world.